love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, and I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura. And Haley, our listeners have been waiting with bated breath since last week when I teased a little bit that we would be bringing out everyone's favorite segment, Haley's Workout of the Week, Kona Prep turned St. George Prep Workout of the Week, to be specific. So give it to us. Do you have a workout of the week ready for us to hear? What was your What was one of your favorite workouts this week? Oh, favorite workout the past week. So this one, I am actually going to bring up this this specific workout because I think it's an interesting one to call quote unquote Kona prep or St. George prep because it is not quite exactly like the conditions we'd be seeing in either of those races. But I did a two hour and 20 minute run in the snow here in, uh, in Bozeman. And so last week in Bozeman, I, you might have remembered I was complaining about the cold. And so I had to actually, I don't, I I'm not someone who usually like rearranges my week that frequently for weather, but last week I did because I have a limit on, on how cold it is when I go outside and for running, it usually is around 10 degrees Fahrenheit is kind of my, my limit just because I feel like below that, I just don't quite have the gear. I don't quite have the gloves. I worry about my skin a little bit. And so I, I moved things around and I pushed my long run. I don't necessarily always do a long run on the weekend, but I did do it on the weekend because it was, we had a big, big temperature swing. And so it was actually above, um, 15 degrees Fahrenheit, which I know doesn't Ooh, sound yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, I feel you. It's when cold it goes from New Hampshire. So yeah, it's a big 15 above. Yeah. It's a big I mean, even running in zero and then you're like, oh my gosh, it's 20 today. And you're like, that's 20 whole degrees. Like the difference is huge when you get down into those cold temperatures. Exactly. And so the nice thing about running on snow is when it's like below 32, you're pretty warm, but like it, the snow is still pretty firm. And so you get decent footing for the most part. And if it's been tracked down. And so I did a two hour and 20 minute run. I, um, I brought along my friend Grace who, I'm, I decided I'm like the bad influence on Greece because not in the way of like a high school, like where I'm like, oh, let's get fake IDs and go to the, go get beer. Like I'm in the, like, like I'm going to take you on the most miserable bike ride or the most miserable run. And, uh, I'll tell you, oh, it's only two hours, but it's like post holing through snow anyway she didn't, it was fine. It was fun. We brought the dog. So it was sunny. It was warm. <laughs> it wasn't, we all made it back fine. Um, and so we did, we ran trails and cause I love running trails in the snow. And I think that's a little bit unusual too, just because the footing is a little bit iffy, but, um, we've talked before. I like to wear micro spikes and just keep myself moving, wear my cycling vest, have plenty of snacks for me for cowboy and just enjoy kind of getting out there. And I think I get the endorphin buzz. So I did, I ran two hours and 20 minutes and a whopping 12 miles, Alyssa, Woo! which yeah. Yeah, so if anyone's doing the math on that, that's about 12 minute per mile pace. So we're not, ta- this is, it is not fast running. It is. And that's not because I'm not trying hard. It's like the terrain, it's the snow conditions, but I've found over the years that I think runs like these have made me a lot stronger. It's a very muscular run. Like the first time I did a run like this, I was 
cramping afterwards, like, cause my muscles were sore in such a different way. And so there are days when I'm just like trudging and I just want to lay down in the snow and cry and feel sorry for myself. But Saturday was not like that. I actually, it was blue skies. It was beautiful. I was having fun. I was not moving fast, but we got through some areas that I hadn't gotten through before. And we're kind of making first tracks or like your only track that you're following are animal tracks. So you feel a little bit wild. And um, <laughs> so anyway, um, there's my run of the week, which I guess as saying that it's not always, it's, it's not always about distance. You know, I think that, you know, sometimes we can measure volume in time rather than distance. And I think that it isn't always about going super fast. Don't worry. I I'm, I'm not worried about my run speed right now, but it was, it was a great run. And also just being able to go out for two hours and 20 minutes in hard conditions like that shows me that my fitness, my general aerobic fitness is pretty good. So that made me excited too. Yeah, as someone who has been training through my first real winter here in New Hampshire, I can say running in the snow is no joke. And it like it is it's a different kind of it's like running in like sand, like running on the beach sometimes, you know, I mean, it's a whole body workout almost it seems at times. And it, I actually think that it's also good because it trains your mind to like have patience almost like you, I think a lot of times, especially as triathletes, we're trained to be like, go, go, go. Like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And like running on trails in the snow in the winter, it's like, you have to just be in the moment and enjoying that moment because the miles are going to take potentially twice as long as you might want them to. Right. Like it's, it's, it, it, it really is a mental training too. And if you can achieve that and like find the enjoyment in it, I think that like, you'll find that it helps you like I don't know it helps me be like more calm I think it does help my mind in a lot of ways so um I love it I love trail running in the snow and I had plenty of that this weekend too so I'm glad to know we were like kind of yeah twins out there just different states apart I know I would say Alyssa like I I've done some training with you and I don't feel that same like I'm not a bad influence on you because you're up for much, much more miserable things than even I am. I think <laughs> I remember the time when you visited me in Atlanta and it like rained the whole time. And I'm like, should I apologize that this is miserable? And I'm like, nah, she looks like she's fine. And it was, we were doing like a 130 mile ride and we got, got back to the house and we we're at like 128. So we're like riding back and forth in front of- <laughs> and it was like incredibly hilly. Do you remember that? So it was like, oh, I remember. we couldn't just like to get those extra, like two miles. It was like, it was like climbing way up and then like going back down and then climbing up again and going back down. I mean, that's, that's why I know when you do these like long, miserable multi-day events, I'm like, Alyssa has it in her because, um, I've seen, I've seen you be like comfortable in, uh, situations when most people would be like, Haley, not friends with you anymore. You just have to learn the aspect of like immediate mental amnesia so that you're immediately forgetting everything you're experiencing in that moment. (laughs) And maybe some good, uh, snacks. Good snacks. Yeah, and good snacks. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, that is fun. I hope people who are facing some adverse weather conditions right now are inspired to get out and find some good training outside. It doesn't all have to be indoors this time of year. So hopefully this helps them embrace that. Yeah. No, it's aerobic training is aerobic training. And Haley, we have a new sponsor coming on the podcast. If our listeners are listening carefully, take a listen to the ads this week because we have a new one for Try Hard. 
And TryHard does swim pre and post swim products for your face, your body, all of that good stuff. And they're kicking this off with a giveaway. So the giveaway though, what day is today? Today is the beginning of March. So the giveaway is starting from, it'll have started because it started March 1st to March 14th. So you got a couple weeks here, a little less to win a three month supply of TryHard products plus a feisty hoodie. So I I have one of those feisty hoodies. They are quite nice super warm you can eliminate pool chemicals keep your hair and skin hydrated and be warm for that walk to the car which is you can like put the hood up so your hair doesn't freeze it's very important piece of the puzzle you guys so um this is a prize pack from try hard and feisty triathlon you can win go to livefeisty.com forward slash giveaways forward slash try hard we'll link to it in the show notes and enter it's gonna be fun that's it so i think i did go and all you have to do is like Put in your information. It's pretty quick, quick, Doesn't easy entry. Um, three months supply plus a hoodie. Awesome. So welcome, try hard. We're excited to have you. Haley, we have been getting in some good mailbag questions, which is very exciting. And we're gonna do one today from Kristen. Kristen is oh, everyone, you can also send us your mailbag questions. I like to say this at the beginning and the end of mailbag, so everyone remembers. Mailbag questions, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to see more questions coming in. So this is from Kristen. She's a self-coach triathlete, and she found her way into the sport in 2018. She's setting herself up for 2022 race season, but she doesn't have a background in swimming, and she's never been consistent with training in the pool either. She usually just does a few practice swims leading up to the race just so she can finish and move on to the bike and the run. Kristen, I loved this because I feel like this is like – the epitome of a non-swimmer entering the triathlon world. I can relate to this very much so. Um, so Kristen is looking for some tips moving forward on how to be more consistent with swimming and fitting it into the, her schedule. She's currently a pharmacist in residency, so she has a super busy time until June. She averages 100 miles on the bike, 15 miles of running, and about an hour of strength each week. So this is a great question. Haley, what do you think? I think – well, I, I think um... – I almost feel like you should answer first because I know that your start in triathlon was similar to Kristen's where you had a hard time getting yourself to the pool. And I had the opposite problem when I started triathlon. I was like, wait, (laughs) you're not supposed to swim 10 times a week. I'm like, I actually have to go ride the bike. So, um, so do you want to start? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think this is very relatable and I see this with people who also are non-swimmers and like, I think we just have it in our heads that like we're better at the bike and the run. And so we just got to finish that swim. Right. But two things I know for me happened was one, I did get a coach and they gave me actual swim workouts and that revolutionized myself going to the pool. Um, no longer was I like aimless Alyssa just showing up with, um, a swimsuit and goggles and like no pool toys and just thinking, Oh, I'll just swim you know, 1.2 miles. Cause that's the distance of my race. So let me just prove to myself I can swim in and get out. You know, I, when I did start working with Hillary as my coach, like Hillary, one of the best things about her programs is that she is like a lifelong swimmer, right? So she gives swim workouts like on a pace and it keeps me engaged and it actually makes me enjoy the process of getting better at swimming as much as, um, I was seeing that with like bike and run, which was something I was more familiar with. So 
it does sound like like you're super busy, which actually might be a good reason to be looking into having a coach at some point as well. Um, but you know, if that's not a step you want to take, there are, I'm sure on the internet, some swim programs you can find. Um, it's going to be a little harder because it might not be written specifically for you, but you might be able to extrapolate things. Um, but find some workouts, like be engaged. I think that's a good step. Um, and then the second thing is you got to just like pick two to three times a week, right? So tell yourself, I'm going to swim Monday mornings, Thursday mornings, and Sundays after I do my long run, right? And just start going swimming 1,200 yards those times, right? And then build from there. Um, with consistent work in the pool, I can speak from experience that it gets a lot better. It gets a lot more fun. You start to enjoy going because in the beginning, it's easy to convince yourself it's a hassle. But then when you become more regular, you get to know the lifeguards, you get to know the check-in person, you get to say hi to the woman who asks you not to splash her hair because she's doing her water aerobics, right? So like you have your friends at the pool, you look forward to go seeing them three times a week. And three times a week is huge if you haven't been swimming except for a handful of times before your race, right? So um, thinking about it that way, I think, you know, like the steps for consistency is like, even if it takes some bribes for yourself, like you're going to get that really nice latte after you go do it, or you're going to, you know, eat the whatever from the breakfast shop on the way to work after that, right? Something like that. I am no stranger to bribing myself with treats like that to get swim workouts done still. So I think those, I think I could actually go on forever about how to like make yourself go to the pool because clearly this is like something that is a work in progress for me. So, but I'm going to stop here and ask, ask um, the swimmer of us. I what like aim, aimless Alyssa. I feel like I'm going to keep using that, <laughs> but um, it's like your alter ego. I, I am not beyond a bribe. I mean, I enjoy going to the pool, but I also enjoy celebrating swims with, you know, I do a fancy coffee Friday every Friday. So I, um, you know, and sometimes there's like fancy pancake Friday. So definitely, um, not beyond, beyond, uh, a celebration of a swim. But the one thing I would think add, I think those are really, really good tips, but about the consistency, I do think, like you said, the more you swim, the easier it gets. And, and I do think, in on race day, you know, having coming out of that swim efficiently and not being super tired sets you up to have an enjoyable bike and enjoyable run even. So that is the swim can, you know, it is important. It is really important to have that swim fitness so that you are able to use your bike and your run fitness during the race. But with your schedule, I would, um, you know, see if there's ways that you can, kind of make going to the pool work with your life or make your life easier. So I don't know what time you start, um, work, but sometimes I know that I used to, uh, if I went to the pool in the morning, my, it was closer to work. And so my commute was easier. Actually, if I drove that distance at, you know, five in the morning versus at seven, like it actually made it. So that then my commute was easier. Um, if that's not the case, then maybe you could, if you run on the treadmill, like maybe you do a treadmill run and then hop in the pool and do a shakeout swim. And, and I do think that's something too, like what Alyssa alluded to, like sometimes it doesn't take very much. Like if you're doing 2000 yards consistently, I think that you will see that progress and that aerobic swim fitness 
those aerobic swim fitness gains. So if you only have, you know, less than an hour, like use it, you know, use that time that you have and, um, and try to, you know, make the most of it. And, and something is usually better than nothing, especially with swimming. And master swims, look into master yes. swims in your area. Um, that's It'd a really fun. good way to get a workout, get some group accountability outside of the water aerobics ladies. Who yeah, you and then, to love too. There. <laughs> I will say, like, you meet a lot of people at the. I mean, that's this week's uh, this week's interview with Rachel Olson. She talks about like a life changing sponsor uh, encounter at the pool. I mean, you never know who you're going to meet there. That's actually that's really true, and that is the perfect segue. So, I, or mailbag questions can always go to ironwomenpodcast at gmail Haley, tell us more about Rachel. Right. So today we are talking to Rachel Olson and Rachel grew up as a uh, swimmer. She was a collegiate swimmer and she became a pro triathlete in the last couple of years. And in 2019, she had a great season with several top five finishes in 70.3 races. She actually finished second at Eagle Man 70.3. But in the years since then, she's been dealing with a knee injury. She actually underwent surgery last fall. So Rachel tells us about her surgery, her recovery, and her planned return to racing at this weekend's couples championship. She gives us a little behind the scenes on, on how that couples championship came together and hint, it has something to do with meeting people at the pool. So, um, but if you aren't familiar with the couples championship, it is a new race format. It's happening this weekend in Florida and top professional triathlete couples are going to go head to head for a $100,000 first place prize. This is some big money we're talking about. So Rachel tells us what to expect from the race, how you can tune in to watch. So we'll have that full conversation with Rachel right after the break. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've been so looking forward to this, waiting for the invite. <laughs> Oh, well, when I last saw you this past October at the LA triathlon, you had, you'd had a really good race. I think you finished ninth. And I also know that you raced knowing you were going to have surgery soon after. So can you tell us about your injury and how you were able to race through it for a while? Yeah, I uh, discovered this injury. It's like the cartilage on the femur head was just I basically had a hole in the cartilage right on the bone. And so I was bone on bone and we discovered it literally like two weeks, maybe not even before um, Texas 70.3 of 2021. So right before, you know, the brand new season. And I knew that I was not in the fitness that I wanted to have surgery yet. So we said, okay, let's just manage this bone on bone injury until I feel comfortable enough to be fit, to be ready to come back from a recovery in such a like strong way. So yeah, basically just went through the whole year um, trying to mitigate any inflammation, any reactions in the knee and just trying to build up as much fitness as possible before going under the knife. So that's probably an interesting thing a lot of people don't think about is like getting fitter <laughs> for the purpose of like ultimately having exactly. surgery, right? But it is, I mean, it's a good consideration to get yourself to that point. But what did it, was it like super painful? How did you kind of manage racing? Did you just out of sight, out of mind and like not, you know, mind over matter, I guess is what I want to say. And like not let yourself think about it or was it only painful sometimes? How did, 
Yeah, it was more of the, like, the inflammation factor. Um, If my knee, like, blew up after certain workouts or things like that, it it wasn't too, too painful. There would be kind of days where it would be more of an achy pain. But um, I had just started working with Julie Dibbins as my coach, and she has had this knee problem, you know, very similar, and her cartilage had gotten really bad. And so she was like, let's not risk a bigger surgery. Let's you know, take it super conservative. And I ended up, you know, attempting to race at Des Moines, um, didn't finish and then racing at Augusta, which was like a whole different host of problems. But I didn't really race throughout the year as just a, we knew I wouldn't have the run there because I spent a lot of time, um, doing assisted running and assisted weight running. So I wasn't running full blast. It was more of just running, you know, on the lever device and building up the bike and swim fitness as much as possible. Do you want to tell us about the lever device? I know I've seen it a bunch of times on Instagram and stuff, and it seems like the, the Boulder crew definitely has been putting it to work, I think, and using it a lot. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So how I describe it to somebody who would have no idea is that basically it's a cheaper alter G. Um, so, uh, basically there's just like the system, um, that you set up on any treadmill and you can, there's like adapters for like woodways and stuff, but you set it up on a treadmill, you can carry it wherever. And then you put these shorts on, they're a little bit, you know, heavy, they're kind of sweaty, but so is an alter G. And so that kind of loops with a bungee system, and you can take up to like 40 pounds of weight off approximately. And you just use that bungee to kind of strap up however much weight you need to take off. And that way, you can still run, you can do you know, faster run workouts without a full load, you can be injured and run more. So yeah, it's just been a nice tool to, to have that and be able to have like some sort of running whilst also being injured. (laughs) And so do you bring this to the gym? Like, do you pack it up and bring it in? Yeah. I was just thinking (laughs) Haley needs one more item to be toting into the gym with her personal fan and her nutrition and everything else that she takes with her. (laughs) I'm already quite high maintenance. Like I walked into the gym and people just stare at me and I'm like, and it's not because it's like, like my supermodel good looks. It's like, why does she have so much stuff? (laughs) I have so much stuff. Like Tuesdays is like our big swim, like run swim day. And since I'm running on the lever, mostly it's like, I have my swim bag, I have my backpack with all of my different clothes, and I have the lever with all the stuff. So yes, I I towed it to the gym, I travel with it. Laura Sadow has taken hers like literally everywhere across the globe. Um, But yes, I, I bring it with me. And we actually do have one at our gym, but it's set up on the treadmill that I don't like. So I'm very particular. I think we can all relate to that though, too. So don't, don't worry about that. Yeah. So you got yourself fitter to get to the point of surgery. Did surgery and recovery go as you expected? Oh, yeah. I mean, it went way better than I expected. I had a really solid bike fitness going in and I was just feeling confident about it. I think I was... I just got to the point that mentally I was ready for it to happen. And yeah, it was like November 3rd, like two weeks, maybe not even two weeks after the the race. And um, the surgeon did such a good job. And my PT is incredible. And my massage therapist is incredible. We worked on scar therapy. We worked on just all of like 
all of the little things, stability. And I feel like whenever we had done testing to, you know, return to run, my PT was like, you know, you're doing these tests better than some of my full-time runners that come in here. So it, yeah, I had very few setbacks even now. Like I, I don't think I could even say I've had a setback in the recovery process just because I've been obnoxiously meticulous about it and working on all the little things. So it's been, I mean, it was super hard, you know, so many little, you know, workouts throughout the day, you got to do this, you got to do that, but so worth it. And it's been feeling so strong and healthy and I couldn't ask for, for more, to be honest. (laughs) It's great to hear that. And I don't think this was your first foray into injury and surgery because I think you had surgery on your shoulder between high school and college. You, you grew up swimming. And so I'm curious about how that experience having gone through a, you know, a a pretty career, you know, like sport dependent surgery when you're younger and then having that obviously go well, because you are still swimming at the top of the pro ranks today. Does that experience in your past give you extra confidence as you come out of this surgery? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I had to have two shoulder surgeries on, you know, a detached and torn labrum, the shoulder capsule, you know, a lot of things. And especially like they had to tighten the joint capsule and I was a 200 butterflyer. And that was, you know, something that they were saying, you might not have the flexibility to be a good butterflyer again after this. I wasn't sure. And I ended up swimming better than I ever had before after, you know, both two surgeries. So yeah, that knowing that I had come back stronger and faster after the shoulder surgeries was just another mental like check in the box that I knew I could do this. I knew that I knew what it took for one, you know, I knew how hard there times can be, but I also knew that it was not, you know, something bad that for me that was going to happen. I knew that it was going to enhance and make me a better athlete in the long term because I knew I'd be kind of put back together. And Rachel, your 2022 race season actually starts this weekend at the couples <laughs> championship, which is happening yes. in Fort DeSoto park, I think near St. Petersburg, Florida. So yes. Can you tell us more about this new race and the unique format that's presented there? Yeah. I mean, it's, it was kind of funny. We had started talking about this, you know, at some point last year in 2021 and we're like, Oh, like, who could it be? Like, who could we have? Like, how would that look like? And, um, so, you know, we've compiled like, I think it's up to maybe like 10 couples. I I had lost count to be honest. Um, and so the original format, we were supposed to go through a sprint race for like four times, like each partner goes twice. Um, we did have to end up shortening it because of permits on the road. So each partner will go one time through, um, like a 400 meter swim, a 16 mile bike, maybe, maybe less. I can't remember. Uh, and then a 5k run. So one partner goes and then the other partner goes and whoever, you know, is the best at the end of the day wins. And I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. And there's also this extra charity aspect to it. There's a charity relay team of an ex-Olympic swimmer, um, Brooke Bennett, and then Phil Guyman, ex-pro cyclist, and Gwen Jorgensen, as you know, we know, has transitioned into her run career. So it's like however many couples beat this um, this charity team, they're donating $10,000 to a charity as well. 
So there's a cool aspect that it's not just us smashing us against each other that, you know, we also kind of want to beat this charity team for, you know, to do something good. <laughs> and, but yeah, I think it'll be super interesting. Um, obviously not something that we've seen before, but kind of similar to that, you know, relay format that Super League has done in the past. And the race website says the first place couple will win a $100,000 prize. (laughs) It's a lot of money. So is this a winner takes all situation or does the prize purse pay past first place? It does pay down to third place, um, which I think it's like, um, and I can't remember if it's like 60 and then 40. So it's pretty significant still on the top three. So it ends at three. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be like, you know, just total gas pedal down the whole way. It's gonna have to be, you know, a lot of people will want that money. And the featured couples range from yourself and your boyfriend, Andre Lopez, who we'd call like a middle distance specialist to long course. Well, and for yourself too. And then we have like long course legends, Miranda Carfrey, Tim O'Donnell, short course superstars, Taylor Spivey, Vincent Louis. Have you adjusted your training to incorporate more speed work to compete with some of the short course course athletes, especially now? I mean, I don't know how long ago it was you found out you were actually only going through once. So (laughs) it went from like short to even shorter. So are you like doing specific things to get ready to compete? Um, I think this time of year has been, I mean, for me, especially like I'm not doing a whole lot of like distance like work like I'm not doing a whole lot of base loading whereas you know some of my teammates are doing super long rides you know longer runs where for me I'm actually doing more intense bike workouts doing more intense swimming so on the run it's kind of just I've just been building it back and you know of course that's a shorter distance and um, a little bit more punchy but I have kind of had this good opportunity that I haven't been loading up so much on the volume and we've been really trying to build that like power oomph back in my bike. And so I think it's just worked out well for the format that I'm actually working on the higher end more than I'm working on kind of that endurance. What about transitions and that like relay (laughs) handoff? You know, um, we saw that Justin and Jeannie were practicing and Andre and I looked at each other like, should we have maybe done this? Like, <laughs> I'm not notoriously good at like transitions to begin with. So I think that's going to be pretty hard. But also at the same time, like with a sprint distance, I don't feel like I need to take as much like crap with me, like as I would need to take with me for a half marathon. So, um, you know, I can forego a hat and nutrition for a 5k than, you know, trying to think about, oh, I need this, I need that. And uh, I don't know if we even have race belts. So, you know, I think we'll try a couple of times whenever we get to get to Florida, we'll do a couple test runs definitely to sharpen up because we have not practiced at all. I mean, half of the time it's been our driveway is covered in snow. So, you know, our whole street has been covered in snow and ice. So that doesn't help. (laughs) So it also looks like all the couples that are competing this year are one man and one woman. And per the race criteria, it had to, these couples had to be in a relationship for at least six months. So it sounds like you might've been part of the like 
organizing uh, committee here, but did, did you have to actually submit proof of relationship <laughs> duration to apply for the race? And, and assuming that this couple's championship continues for future years, do you think we could see same sex couples competing? Yeah, actually one of the biggest things, like we were trying so hard to find a same sex couple because that's what we wanted. You know, we wanted that. And, you know, it was for this first round, we were like, you know, cause we really wanted to have like Cody. Um, we went, really wanted to have Rach and Rach McBride and that, you know, their schedule just didn't line up with ours, unfortunately, because they were going to come. Um, and then with Cody, his partner is not a pro triathlete. And so we were like, dang, you know, uh, we just ran into kind of a logistical factor with the same sex couples, but that's something in the future we want to bring in. And even if it's, you know, it ends up being not, you know, both couple, you know, both partners are, um, are triathletes in the future. We might even have a division where the other partner is not a triathlete. So that's definitely something that we've thought about for the future. And for the first one, yeah, it was just logistically really hard to find two, you know, same sex in triathlon where their schedule would line up with ours. Um, and that's, yeah. So in the future, that's something that we're going to try to work on and have a little bit more leniency on, um, you know, both have to be pro triathletes kind of thing. Um, and yeah, for the proof wise, it was, yeah, we just like had this group chat of like, you know, the, some of the organizers, they're not, in triathlon and so they're like we don't really know these people like are they together and a couple of them were like oh we don't know but most of them were, were pretty obvious that they were married or they had been together for a while but yeah there were definitely a couple that were like oh I don't know I'm not sure actually so they're like scrolling through Instagram like <laughs> yes exactly that was the first thing we did was like oh let's double check Instagram and make sure because you can't ask someone like oh have, have you been like are you common law? Are you like living together? You know, those kind of things. And so the race is going to be broadcast live over Facebook yeah. with Heather Jackson and Greg Bennett commentating. So do you yeah. have any insight on the broadcast, the exciting spectacle viewers are going to get to witness if they pay the nine ninety nine to tune yeah. in. So what kind of stuff can we get ready for? Yeah, they're trying to have as much like onboard, you know, kind of with as with us, but also they're going to add the aerial coverage, which is something that um, I think race organizers, that is a hard factor. But that is one of the reasons why it's a little bit more expensive is because they want to have the aerial coverage. They want to have on the ground coverage. They want to have coverage on, you know, um, on the commentator. So it's it's a huge factor of all of this. And then um they also did try to work on getting some pre-recording done like with all of the athletes. And um, I think that is going to be tied into it as well. Kind of learning about all the different athletes, how like about their relationship, but also, you know, what they think about this race and how they feel about like a totally different format and things like that. So I think it's going to be a mix of everything. And for this first one, they, they just want to get, as much as they possibly can and see, see how it goes. And of course it's a learning curve, but um, I think it should be exciting. 
So the Couples Championship is presented by Waterfall Bank, and it's a bank based in Clearwater, Florida. And you are a pro member of the newly created Waterfall Racing Team, along with Marinda Carfrey and Jeannie Metzler and their husbands. Can you tell us about the Waterfall Racing Team and the bank's interest in supporting triathletes? Yeah, for sure. The The owner of the bank and who started the bank, his name is Ben Atkins, and he, you know, we just randomly met him, myself, Andre, and um, Justin. We met him at rally one day, and he was just super excited about triathlon. He asked about, he was, you know, new to Boulder and, you know, was asking about routes and where do we go to run and what do we do for this? And um, so we slowly got to know him, you know, got to know his his wife and his family. And, you know, he just had this huge passion in triathlon. And he said, like, you know, I, you know, got to know you guys kind of already because of your YouTube channels. And um, also, but like, whenever I started, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't really have friends around me who could guide me through it. And like, as simple things as like shifting a bicycle, like, he didn't have, you know, a network that he really wanted to really get into triathlon. And so his main goal with starting waterfall racing the team is that people around the country don't have to be alone in this whole process whether they are you know elite members or they are just starting out or they're runners who are interested in triathlon or anything like that anything in between is it's it's a network of bringing people together that he is really you know passionate about and having other athletes help other people but also this um, you know, connecting the realm of, you know, meet, meet the pros that you are, you know, that you look up to meet other athletes who might not be pros and have kind of that same team aspect, but just not that kind of more elite feel as Andre actually described it really well. He's like, it's inclusive, but not exclusive. Like, we don't care about your results. Like we don't care about those kind of things. You don't have to wear the waterfall kit to every single race. There's not these big requirements. We just want you to have an environment where you can connect to other people, even if you're traveling because you're a businessman or woman. And that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, is just having that network. And as a pro leader of that, like, what is, what is your position? Are you meeting up with people? Are you creating group swims at, at rally sport at that pool there in Boulder where it all happened? Yes. Yeah. Um, so right now, um, Andre and I are kind of, we've set up, you know, different times in the week where we have, you know, come meet us for group rides, come meet us for group runs. Um, and then we had two swim clinics this month, um, just to kind of get an idea for how everybody's swimming. I am very technically, you know, a, you know, I really like to make sure people are swimming correctly before I just like throw a workout at them. And, um, so we just kind of try to organize this Boulder area and kind of the Colorado, you know, Denver area in itself. And, use those. And then I, I also have a Zwift group ride every Sunday, um, at 11 AM mountain time. So it's like 1 PM Eastern time. And that might change in the future, different timing. But so each week there's something, you know, for our group, but in, you know, Tampa area in Clearwater area, they have, you know, a coach and a group there. So they will organize those. And, 
Um, our goal is just to have coaches and, you know, team captains in places where they can start to build their own environment there, build their own workouts there. So, and they don't have to be the same, you know, level. It's just, let's all meet together. So we are motivated together to start something. And especially in the winter, that's definitely hard. And Rachel, earlier we briefly mentioned your college swimming career at Centenary College of Louisiana, but we also read that you wrote your senior thesis about the effects of Title IX on sport at school. So yeah. we're coming on coming up on the 50th anniversary of Title IX this summer. You know, this is a big one to probably throw at you, but we'd yeah. love to hear if you remember anything surprising from your research or anything that's stuck with you since that time that you did the research. Yeah, and my research was actually really hyper-focused on um, kind of like the South and more like regional to uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, like Arkansas, kind of those areas. But honestly, I think one of the biggest things was how, like how they had to change kind of the dynamics of different, like of colleges and how they allotted different teams, like who got what team and kind of that thing. And it was super interesting whenever they had started, you know, the triathlon, because they added it to the women's side to kind of equalize it out. And it was kind of like that back then. It was like adding gymnastics instead of basketball, things like that. You know, it wasn't, it was adding different sports to try to be equal, but it wasn't all the same sports and trying to equalize out between a football team and a gymnastics team like that is pretty different, even though it was, you know, opening up more doors. And, um, but yeah, so it was, it was definitely like kind of a full circle moment whenever triathlon came into like the women's collegiate field. And that was, I mean, it was exciting to me because it was like, yes, giving us like a little bit of power, like in equalizing it out a little bit more. And um, yeah, it was definitely like a, a very hyper-focused area of the thesis, but is, yeah, I mean, I see it a lot today. It is cool to see how that has changed. And uh, NCAA triathlon did just hit that great milestone where they got 40 teams and are hopefully yeah. going to become a full, full, full on NCAA sport here in the next couple of years, which is very impressive to have uh, come that far. So it's, it's uh, cool to see that our, you know, our sport, a sport that was not available for us when we were in college necessarily now is, yeah. and I think that's pretty neat. Um, Rachel, during your amateur and your pro triathlon careers, you, you've worked several jobs within the triathlon and cycling industry. And I believe one of those jobs was with Cobb Cycling, where you specifically focused on helping women get comfortable on bikes. So we often get listener questions about bike saddles. Do you have any tips for our listeners who might be dealing with some saddle discomfort? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I spent three years talking to every style of rider, every body type of females, you know, downstairs, upstairs, everything. So, um, you know, it's, it was actually a really fun time because I got to focus on like what like women's comfort meant in the industry. And I think one of the biggest things is, and that what, you know, is still happening today is trying to be able to be honest with, bike fitters and especially in a bike shop, I think, I think it's just still pretty stagnant to be honest. And, um, I think it's just being 
honest with how you actually feel like where are you actually feeling discomfort and having to distinguish between am I feeling numbness which could be a factor of you know pressure points are you on a saddle that's too narrow um are you on a saddle that's too wide do you need to be on a saddle that is an open nose or a closed nose um I don't know if my article still exists about the innie and outie, um, but it does have some, you know, good, you know, applications in the real world, I think, but not always totally 100%. But it's understanding your own anatomy and how you sit on the saddle as well. So, you know, if you are riding a road bike, you are sitting you are sitting a little bit further back. Not everything is about your sit bones and triathlon. That is more, you know, as just to put it plainly, that's more crotch focused. Like we are on, you know, our labia basically like in the arrow position, we're not really on our sit bones. And so understanding the anatomy of your own body and how you ride your bike, I think is a huge factor as well. You know, a lot of saddle companies try to sell saddles based on just your sit bone width. And that's not totally accurate all the time. And then you end up with, you know, saddle discomfort in, you know, your crotchal region more than, you know, in your sit bones. So understanding that there is a balance there that you need to find that something that really molds to you and not being afraid to say, Hey, I I don't think that your recommendation is a hundred percent correct. Can we also try this? Um, and just knowing that you don't have to be in pain, you don't have to be numb and trying, you know, being able to try different things and, but yeah, I definitely think there's a long way to go in terms of the comfort of, you know, bike shops and bike fitters and all of that. I feel like the communication on it all is so huge. It was probably very refreshing for women to get to have you <laughs> to talk to and like go back and forth and be on the same page versus yeah. some jabronis you're talking to in a bike shop that are like, like thinking what? they know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so Rachel, we said that you, um, are training currently with coach Julie Dibbins and the JD crew out of Boulder, Colorado, where you're living year round. So what's the training environment and squad dynamic like now during the winter, you know, it sounds like maybe you're not putting in some huge volume. So, you know, is that the biggest difference from the summer months? Do you guys have kind of more of an off time in the winter as well? Yeah, right now I feel like it's kind of that weird dynamic because some people are focusing towards like St. George and that, you know, is super early. So it's the season is structured just a little bit differently because of that. But, um, you know, we had some people that dipped away to San Diego for a little bit. And so and some of us stayed home in Boulder and but we have this like really good schedule of you know, Tuesdays is, you know, our big like run together and swim together day. And then a lot of time, and we have a bike workout that day as well, but it's not always the same. And then Wednesday we have a really good, you know, swim session in the afternoon together. A lot of times we meet up together for the Wednesday bike session. And that's different in the summer because right now some of us have, you know, Some of us like to ride outside. Some of us don't, Um, depending on the weather. And some of us will jump on a a mountain bike instead of a road bike. So in the summertime, those Wednesdays are usually like we all start together for like a big group ride. Um, But the Tuesdays and the Thursdays where we all run first and then swim together, those are like our key days together, I would say, especially with that, 
you know, that hard run and then the hard swim followed up is those are, those are our times together. (laughs) And, um, it definitely gets a little bit more kind of inclusive, I would say as the summer gets there, you know, we might not all have the same workout necessarily, but, um, we all try to start together, you know, and cause the weather is good and none of us are going to just sit inside. <laughs> I was wondering, I'm like, is this a group treadmill run where everyone's like lined up on the treadmills or is it outside? Oh, but yes. it probably depends on the weather, huh? <laughs> yeah. Whenever it's like snowing, we had like three weeks in a row where it was just really bad weather. But yes, we are that people in rally. It's like Tuesday, like you got to get there early. You got to get there on time, like Tuesday, Thursday, like, if we are all on the treadmills, I mean, it's just like, all you hear is like, like, you know, that buzzing of the, the treadmill, like feet pounding and definitely, yeah, it's, yeah, we kind of take over all the treadmills on, on Tuesday, Thursdays when the weather is bad. It is nice to have someone else doing a workout, even if you're not doing the exact same workout, just having someone else out there. It's, there is something nice about it. Um, But Rachel, you and Andre have a YouTube channel. It's called Chasing Triathlon. And it seems like you two do all of your own filming and editing. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And we have learned on the fly how to do everything. I mean, we started editing on our phones like to begin with but yes we do it all so it's not um a high production we um have a vlogging camera now but it's still also not very high quality and doesn't have a stabilizer Um, but yeah everything's phone gopro tiny vlog camera and how much work goes into each episode because some these episodes are like more than 10 minutes long usually yeah and i think the beauty of our vlog is that the production value, I guess you could say, yeah, the production value is kind of low. Um, so as compared to like that triathlon life where they have the really cool editing, really cool shots, like we tend to focus on more of like the day to day. And so it, it ends up being, you know, kind of a longer thing. We, you film a lot more, I would say probably during the week than, um, just focusing on like one session or another, we do try to have a more focused like workout session where, you know, people can see like an actual workout instead of just like bloop, bloop, bloop here and there. And, but it's from week to week. I mean, we just pull out the camera whenever and it takes, you know, up to two hours of editing if we just knock it out and all one go. Um, sometimes we start early in the week. Sometimes it is Saturday evening and we spend two, three hours combing through the footage and deciding what we want in there. How do we edit this? Like, and then there's also the factor of picking music and, um, you know, just figuring out how this is all going to flow together. And some days it's really hectic, but some days it all blends together really nice. (laughs) And in one recent episode, we can see you riding indoors with a few other JD crew athletes. And it looked like there were actually three different photographers or videographers <laughs> at the workout. So is that common? Are you guys just used to always having cameras around? So no, that was actually not common. Um, that was the filming for kind of the the couples try, the couples championship getting. Um, that was like our week to do the kind of like the promo videos and see, you know, inside look at how we do like certain workouts and everything. And it just so happened that, you know, we had this swim bike brick session, which is kind of one of our, like, as we get closer to 
um, a race will occasionally get one of those. And it just so happened that like all of us had that session. And since three of us had, you know, the couples try those like, okay, let's get the cameras in there and get this, you know, footage because we had to be in the race suit and everything. Um, so that is not very common, but it does tend to happen just with, especially with like, um, with Tim and Rennie and Justin and, you know, like they, they have, you know, Kenny with them a decent amount of times, whereas like Andre and I film each other. So, you know, we usually just have like our GoPro, like, Hey, <laughs> and like alongside, but yeah, they usually have like the drone, the big camera, the nice lights, and you know, they have different devices they're pulling out of their pockets. And um, yeah, so that was definitely not the the usual. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying uh, the Tim and Rennie show and Judy and Justin's, uh, they are not doing their own filming and editing. <laughs> they They might have some help. <laughs> Yeah, they have a little bit of help. Justin does, you know, uh, have like some where he does it on his own. But yes, most of the time it's filmed by someone else and it's all edited by somebody else as well. (laughs) Well, we like, you know, we can appreciate your this is true life, exactly what you what you see. (laughs) But I am curious, you kind of mentioned about like picking a certain workout and learning things as you go as and I was just curious if you've learned over the past year or so that you've been doing this, how you balance filming a workout versus focusing on the execution of a workout? Because there are times when I'm very glad no one witnessed what just happened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. There, I mean, there have been meltdowns. Um, You know, there are times where, you know, Andre has come with me on bike rides and it just completely falls apart. And I'm like, please do not stick that freaking camera in my face, like, or it's not going to go well. Um, but I think the biggest struggle that we've had in trying to film and to organize how we're going to film is, you know, somebody has to take a back seat to their workout. Um, and whether that's, you know, somebody has to start later, you know, we won't sacrifice a workout for somebody else. But that typically means, you know, one person is starting their workout early, and the other person is filming. And then, you know, so if I go film Andre's long run, then my run workout on a Sunday, like we'll start later. Um, And that's just, those are things that we look at the week and we say, okay, well, where are where can we compromise and where are we willing to compromise on certain days and some days that just can't happen you know or if we're like both working out together and neither of us are you know it's like no we both have to focus on this workout and I think the hardest one is in the in the pool like neither of us want to budge um and take the back seat because it's hard to you know you know, it's not the same on a bike where you can kind of follow somebody along as they're pedaling, you're pedaling. You can't swim and film somebody at the same time without just sitting on the bottom of the pool. Um, but that balance, yeah, has has been hard. And honestly, yes, you have no idea when something might go bad and you're like, nope, I'm done. This hat, scratch it. We got to find something else. <laughs> And so Rachel, after the couples championship, uh, it sounds like you're in a pretty good spot to be healthy for the 2022 season. Can you share where our listeners can expect to see you racing? Yeah. And that's a little bit in the works. Um, I've been just, I don't, I didn't want to like jump into a full race schedule. So I will either do LA try or St. Anthony's as kind of like a dip my toe back in Olympic distance that 
you know, might not be as much pressure. And then um, I will either do Eagle Man 70.3 or Montrem Blanc, um, hoping that, you know, everything with travel and Montrem Blanc like goes well, because um, that would definitely be nice. And Andre is also racing um, Des Moines the same day as Eagle Man. We typically like to travel together, but we'll see how that goes. And from there, I'll kind of see maybe Oregon 70.3. And to be honest, I just want to get through that first half of the season, see how everything is going and then really plan the rest of the year because, oh man, I've just, I've been injured for a long time and planning a race schedule has been hard the last two years. And so it's almost like a flying by the seat of my pants a little bit. Um, but once I get through, I think these first, then, then I'll know exactly where I stand and what I need to work on and what races I want to focus on next. Well, we're so happy that you are healthy, that you get to race this weekend. We'll be sure to include that Facebook link for our listeners and in our show notes so they can tune in and watch. Sounds like it's going to be quite the production. And then we'll also make sure everyone knows about your YouTube channel so they can follow your adventures for the rest of 2022. (laughs) Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you guys both for having me. It's so awesome to be able to chat with you guys. Okay, Alyssa, couples championship. It's happening 7 a.m. Eastern time on. Sunday, March 6th. Um, do you think, are you going to tune in? Are you going to be on Facebook watching Rachel and all, you know, Haley, I have, I have a little bit, some things going on this weekend, so I'm not sure I'm going to catch it in real time, but, um, hopefully, hopefully it stays on. Maybe I get the discounted rate. Maybe I'll get the two ninety nine. watch it watch it in oh, seven I'm... to 10 days or something. Yeah. Facebook. <laughs> I am interested. In it. I think it's super cool. I think it's like a fun new thing to watch our peers racing. Right. Um, I think it'll, I think it'll be a good time. I am interested in the celebrity, uh, relay aspect of it too. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely want to see what goes down, but yeah, I, we'll see. I mean, what about you? Are you planning? Are you queuing up like a treadmill run to watch? 5 a.m. A 5 a.m. treadmill run. I um, that's all. I mean, my gym isn't open, but at uh, that time, <laughs> if it was, I might be. But um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I might watch. We'll see if I'm up at 5 a.m. I'm, otherwise, I might be watching a replay. You know. I get up very early during the week and sometimes on Sundays I go a little bit later. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited, like you said, but, um, you know, I think it is exciting to see the sport showcase like this and I'm excited for Rachel and everyone else racing and very interested to see how it all shakes out. Cause I, uh, you know, it's, it's a very wide variety mix of specialists and, but it sounds like a good time. And just a reminder to our listeners, we have that two-week giveaway from Try Hard Head to and Feisty Triathlon to win the Try Hard products and a Feisty hoodie. Head to livefeisty.com forward slash giveaways forward slash Try Hard to enter. It's in the show notes. Throw your hat in the ring. You got to play to win. Alyssa, have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. 
You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Racing has begun, which means training is not an off-season mode anymore. We love having an extra something for those hard days, and lately we've been using AminoCo products for that mental and physical boost. I first tried adding a scoop of AminoCo Perform to a glass of water before hard workouts. My workouts were feeling so good that I even made sure to pack a canister of Perform for my recent races. And Heal was an easy add to my post-workout routine. The chocolate flavor is really good. And it has the essential amino acids needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Targeted essential amino acid formulas like this are four times more effective than any protein source. All AminoCo products are 100% science-backed. Created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher, Dr. Robert Wolf, who has also completed 62 marathons in under two hours and 30 minutes. Wait, Haley, 62 marathons under two hours and 30 minutes? Yes, Alyssa, I double checked it. That is correct. 62 marathons in under two hours and 30 minutes. Dr. Robert Wolf knows how to run fast. That is incredible. And for our listeners, you can try AminoCo Perform and Heal or any of the AminoCo products for 30% off with the code IRONWOMEN at aminoco.com forward slash IRONWOMEN. All right, Alyssa, I'm like starting to swim more again. And I feel like you were swimming a lot last year with oh, with one water. And how did you keep your hair from get, getting so destroyed? I was swimming so much last year. And I used to try hard, Kelly, and I still swear by it. They have extensively researched this problem and created a superior vegan, dermatologically tested proprietary blend. Try hard has shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more stuff. Everything you're going to need for your pre and post swim necessities. I've also seen that top pros like Chelsea Sodaro and Lucy Charles Barkley also praise the effectiveness of Try Hard. I think it's like definitely changed how good I feel just coming out of chlorine. And we have a code right now too for anyone who wants to try, you know, try Try Hard and stop suffering from dry, itchy skin, having their hair get all, you know, green, which happens to me because mine's like super blonde and get all beat up. You can try any of the TryHard products with the code 20FEISTY, that's 20FEISTY, for 20% off store-wide at tryhard.co. So that's 20FEISTY for 20% off at tryhard.co. Chasing Epic is the essence of the Orca brand. It is about seeking the moments in life that make us feel truly alive and connected with the beauty of the world around us. And let's be real, Chasing Epic is feisty. Orca has been a longtime partner of Feisty, and we work with them year after year because we love their products and their commitment to creating amazing wetsuits made for women. They also supported me on Team USA last year at the One Water Race, which was most definitely also Chasing Epic. With Orca's range of triathlon wetsuits, including Apex and Athletics, you can choose between flexibility, buoyancy, or a combination of both. 
There's a wetsuit for every triathlete and for all of your epic adventures. And as a feisty listener, you can get 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. 